please. We're going to read from the book of Joshua, chapter 24. Our theme for the year is more of Jesus, less of me. Our kids are dismissed. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, in Joshua 24. So this month, the Lord laid in my heart when I first started this, when we first opened this church, to actually the month of February to be dedicated to the family. And I believe it's a lot we can learn about what God says about the family. Uh, and, uh, you know, we need to understand what is the function of each person within a family. And I, I said, Joshua, I'm in Judges. Oh, my word. All right. <laughs> no, I don't want to read out of the book of Judges right now. Let's look. <laughs> okay. Uh, but anyway, uh, more of Jesus, less of me today. We're going to start. This is in the morning service. I encourage you to be here for that. I think that everybody can learn from uh, what God says about the family. Let's look at Joshua 24:13, And it says, And I, given you a land which ye have not labored, and cities which ye have not built, and he dwelled in them, of the vineyards and olive yards which ye have planted, not to eat ye. And now therefore fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served in the other side of the flood, in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that are on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this passage of Scripture. Oh, Lord, this is a topic that all of us from young and old uh, can learn. Lord, do you have a way in which you want the family to function? And I pray, Father, help us to, even with, uh, we're not perfect, Lord, none of us is. Help us, Lord, to uh, grab the Word of God and, Lord, put it in our homes. Now, let the Word of God not be a decorative piece in the house. But I pray, Father, that we put you as the center of our homes. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So this morning we're going to we're going to talk about a powerful stand. More of Jesus, less of me. Now, through the years in America's in, in, in American society, we observe a decline in the family. The family is declining really bad. So I'm talking about here, uh, a fa- uh, you know, the way the condition of our family, uh, the families are. For an example, and uh, you have to say as it is. Um, mankind, humanism, are trying to redefine the family. So you have a woman with a woman, and they make a family. And then you have a child, and they have kids in there, however they got, you know, and they call that a family. That's not the way God designed the family to be. Then on the other side, you have a man with a man, and they're, so, oh, they're loving. You look how loving they are. And they're, des- they're described as a family. That's not a family. That's not the way God designed it. Listen, folks, we're not haters. Okay, let me put specifically, let me put it this way. I don't hate people. I love people. So I can tell people the truth. You know, I, I don't look at people that have that type of lifestyle and say, oh, you know, I don't say those words. You know, they need Jesus as much as we do. You know, they can, they can get saved. They can change their ways like you and I have. Okay, folks, we all come from, let me put it this way. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. <laughs> Far from that, I was already married, had kids when I got saved. But, you know, you know what the thing happened? You know, I had many flaws on which God 
took away, and st some of them, still, the Lord's still working on me, and I believe still working on you. But, you know, we see the decline in the family, the way the family is going, the decline, and the way they want you to accept that. You have to accept that because that's the way society. Listen, folks, like I said, I don't, I don't not want to go a hater of people I don't. I don't, I don't do that. I, I don't even like that word hate. Uh, but here's the thing. I cannot accept that. Because God does not accept that. So, the home was ordained by God, not by man. Man did not come in with the idea of family. God instituted the family. So those who are honest admit that the home is the foundation upon which societies are built. And the fabric which they are woven together. So as the home goes, listen to this, so is society. Actually, we can see this, this picture in American society. If you study the home or the family from the early 1900s to our present time, you will see a steady decline, a steady decline. You wonder why? You wonder why a, a person walks in the store or walks in any place and you come behind them and they shut the door in your face and don't even care about leaving the door open for you? Where they learn that? See, we see the decline in the family because you see the actions of people. No, you see these days you see people have, don't care about it, who's around them and when the filthy words come out. They don't care if it's children. They don't care if it's... And you look at them like, hey, there's little kids over here. They do not care. We're talking about the guys. You know, women are getting the same way. <laughs> so, so you, see, you see all this. It's where they're learning this from. Obviously, they're not learning, me learning at home. I remember years ago, my oldest, my oldest was a little kid, and my wife had this uh, worker friend, and they got a little closer together, friends. And uh, I, listen, I don't try to peek in those days, you know, phones in the wall, we didn't have cell phones in those days. You know, and I, I kind of age myself here. But anyway, I remember I could hear the woman talking from the phone. Right? And my wife was talking on the phone. I can, I can see the, the blasphemies and the filthiness that she was talking to her kids. When, when my wife got off the phone, I said, I don't think you want to make friends with such a people because it's going to contaminate to our children. We don't talk like that. You see, it, it starts, in a lot of things, it starts in the home, the way people live. You know, name-calling. Downgrading the kids or people, downgrading each other. You like this, you like that. You know, it's not healthy. So, I try to help you, and the Lord laid this in my heart to do this for the family. So, February is this, we call our family month. So, I believe that the family structure in America is in trouble unless we preach and teach God's children how God intends His institution to function and how his institution should be functioning in this world. Satan, let me tell you this, is against traditional family. He is. And he will do anything to destroy the family. Remember, the Bible says he's a roaring lion seeking about whom he may devour. He comes to kill and to destroy. And believe me, he's after you and he's after me. And he will not stop. He's not like, you know what, oh, let's have a, a little break over here. It's a holiday. Satan, get over here. Let's sin. have a coffee together. He's not that kind of dude. You put your weapons down and you will. 
<laughs> Thank you, Jill. You, you put the weapons down and you will not. He comes after you. So be careful with that because, listen to me, when we look at people, we have to understand who's behind, who's energizing those minds, especially when they're attacking God's institutions. Okay? So our text deal with the foundation of the home, and as with other building projects, a firm foundation is essential to last. If the foundation is infirm and secure, the integrity of the building is always compromised. So let, let's consider the observation of Joshua here this morning that, you know, he takes a strong stand for his family. Number one, if you uh, follow the outline there, we see the discernment. Look at verse, verse 13, what he says. And I given you a land for which you have not labored and cities which you have not built, and you dwell in them of the vineyards and olive yards which you planted not ye eat. So if we start reading at the beginning of this chapter here, in verse 1, all the way to our text, we will notice that Joshua called the people into a meeting. He didn't give them an option. He called them up. Hey, guys, we need to get together here. I have some words to say to you. You know, he gathered everybody together. So he called everybody to a meeting here. Is that meeting reminds them, uh, that, uh, to remind them where they were and what God has done for them. So he, he right here reminds them. So Joshua opened his mouth and gives them a sobering reminder of the blessings of God in the lives of the Jewish people. Now, if you look at the Jewish people when they came from Egypt all the way to the promised land, we know that God was good to them. God was a good God. They're the ones who are ungrateful. We can see that. You know, they complain, they complain, complain, and God keep providing for them. So that we, we no doubts about that. And Joshua, he's coming, he reminds them of such a thing. So Joshua had faithfully led the people across the Jordan River into the promised land. He called the leaders of Israel to stand before him. Joshua knows this time, as time on earth is about over, and he delivers a solemn charge to the people prior to his death. Let me put it this way. You know what the mission, mission on every preacher that preaches God's word is to remind the people of God and what God stands for and go against the current of this world. You know, some preachers are losing hearts. They're just like, oh, I mean, oh, no, no, we don't compromise with the world. If you preach the truth, you're going to be unpopular because people don't want to hear it. So we preach the truth, proclaim the truth, because we have to preach the whole oracles of God. We have to preach the whole thing. Amen. I have a teaching college. He told he told that we we have, we have to a class in Hebrews, and he said, in the end of the class, an old preacher. He said to us, "Now I can die." You know, like, because I preached the whole word of God, and the book of Hebrews was my last book. I was like, wow, that <laughs> touched me. I never forgot about those, those words. So, many today deny it, but there, there can be no doubt that God has been gracious in our lives as well. Is God gracious to you? Of course He is. Letter A of number one, the a balance of God's grace. After challenging the people to remind, uh, the, to, rem uh, the, uh, uh, to remind about God's dealing with Abraham as deliverance from Egypt and the balance of the land, Joshua reminded them of the grace of God in their lives. They had inherited a land filled with cities on which they dwell on. They, you know, they, they inherit all that. They didn't work for it. But God said, hey, no, I'm going to bless you. I want to bless you. The Lord has been overlooked and cast aside by in many homes today. 
Actually, there are far too many homes where God is not welcome. You know one thing I've seen in homes? Not your homes. <laughs> but I've seen, especially down south, which I've been many times. Bibles I use are decoration pieces. Some of them have a little dust on it. That means nobody used that Bible. Isn't that sad? Listen. A family was designed by God so God can be the center of that home. You know, like you drive a car, and think about it. You drive a car, you sit in the passenger seat, and you put God in the driving seat. Every little thing, every big thing should be, Lord, what can we do? How we do? With prayer and supplication, let God, let God guide you. So, the problem of many homes in America is that God has never been invited in their homes. God has never been part of their home living. God is never even in the mind of everyone in the home. So get this. If a home ideology is based on humanism and humanistic ideas, will God ever, or will ever be welcome in that home? Folks, the children of Israel did that. Many of them put God aside and adopt the, themselves the philosophies of the people around them. So the problem of American homes is a problem, listen to me, is a problem of the heart. God is significant to them. And we see this. Folks, I am concerned about tomorrow's generation and the next generation. If our churches are half empty today, talk about two generations then what's going to happen to our churches. You say, well, God is God. Yes, He is. But we are commanded to preach, proclaim, teach His Word. We were born for such a time as this. This is our time. Let it be, number two, the benefit of God's grace. Joshua also reminds them of this, that the cities in which they dwell, they did not labor or build them. The grapes and the olives they were eating from wine and trees, they didn't plant. God had brought them into a land that was already prepared with great abundance. And let me tell you this. Isn't that where God's house is? Many of you came here, you don't know how this thing started. You came and reaped the blessings and benefits of, of the labor of others. And that's the way it is. I remember when I first went to First Baptist Church, the place was so big. I'm like, wow. And I remember one time the pastor reminds us, oh, I had this started. And I was like, it's kind of hard to imagine that. Then I went to Great Island Baptist Temple when we were there. Same thing. It's like, I don't remember when I was not here when it started. But, you know, we reap the benefits of the blessings of God. Put it this way, make yourself available to God. And God can do great things to you which will be passed to the next generation in the next generation. I know that building a home and maintaining a family requires effort in our part. I'm not insinuating to anyone here that people are lazy here. And I think that we have a church full of hardworking people here. But in maintaining a home, look about a physical home. You got to paint. You know, like the other day, my ceiling fan went. What do you do? You got to replace it. So you're maintaining your home. Sure. It, it, you know, it, the paint peels outside. You got to go paint it. It goes maintaining the home. Same thing. We have to maintain our homes. Maintain those things. Folks, many homes are being built as I'm speaking. But many of those homes are being built on sand. Many of those homes are built on human philosophy. Many of those homes are being built with a sign uh, uh, on their front door on which reads, God, you're not welcome here. A home built without God is a home destined for destruction. Folks, 
we look at, at the structure of our society, and we can see that it doesn't look good. If you, if we, if you're a family of one, a family of 20, whatever that is, if you build your home, your home is a your place where you dwell, upon human philosophy, God is out of the picture. I tell you what, when we build our homes with God as the center of our homes, society goes one way, but you stand firm because built upon God. So many families are broken in America because this standards is human philosophy. Folks, we need to teach our children that living together outside the bounds of marriage is against God is sin. We need to teach our children that a man living with a man is sin. We need to teach our children and a woman believe what the woman is saying. It's unnatural, the Bible says. So it's like this passive, this, listen, this is not a popular teaching or popular preaching. This is hard because our society is going that way. Folks, God stands for his foundation. Number two, we see the reminder. Joshua 24, 14, look what it says. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him. In truth. Wow. The light of God's abundant blessing. Joshua reminds the people of their duty and responsibility to the Lord. All of us need to keep in mind that life has its responsibilities. But for us Christians, our responsibility is greater than those who are not of the household of faith. Get this. The reminding words of Joshua to the children of, of, of God's uh, 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 of Israel, of God, he reminds of God's goodness. It fits all of us today. God has been good to all of us here, doesn't it? God is good. He's been good to us. But let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. What a sober reminder to fear the Lord and serve Him with sincerity. Folks, how many sincere people we are, they are today in our world? Can't trust anybody. <laughs> well, you can trust some. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, everything. I remember the days of a handshake. That was a word. Today, handshakes, oh, those days are gone. Those days are gone. All of us need to keep in mind of our responsibilities. We have responsibilities towards God and towards one another. As his children, we should share his obligation. Number one, a reminder to reverence the Lord. Luke says in verse 24, Now therefore fear the Lord. Let me tell you folks, don't live around your life like you think God is this judge and they're going to bzz and bzz buzz you, you know, and burn you up if you disobey Him. That's not the way our God is. He's not talking about we're going to be so fearful of the Lord we're going to hide somewhere. That's not what it says in here. Fear the Lord is have reverence for who God is. In our society, I have no reverence for God today. They practiced sin in the open fields. There was a time that some of these things were done behind closed doors. No, nobody would know about it. But today is in the open fields for everybody to see. There's no shame. There is no reverence for God. There's no fear of God. They point the finger in the face of God and say, look what I can do. I do not need you. I tell you when I die what you need to hear. You know what? Every knee shall bow. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord for the glory of God. You know, they think, we think we 
uh, stronger than everybody. Listen, we're just a little in this world. I don't even say, that's how much we are. We think we are. What do we, somebody said we think we are everything in a bag of chips or a bag of <laughs> We're nothing. We're just like, mm. do you ever been, you ever been, who, who, who been on top of Mount Washington? I've been on top of Washington. I never go back there again. <laughs> that was a depressing way down. <laughs> but anyway, so I'm up there, right, on the top of this mountain, and I'm looking down like, it's so, your eyes see so far. And you look at yourself, wow, I mean, just a little, mm, in the middle of all this. By the way, it was like 128 below zero up there this, this weekend. Oh, my word. <laughs> oh. So, Josh, so Josh has managed the people to fear the Lord. So fear the Lord. Have reverence for God. Listen, in our homes, let's say if you're a family of one, if you're a family of 20, or if you're a family of 50, it doesn't matter. In our homes, we have to have a reverence for God and who He is. Take the Word of God at face value and make them something relevant in your life and say, this is what the Lord says. That's what we're going to do. Sad to say, but this act of reverence, fear, and and awe is not seen in many homes. Why? Because God has never been invited in that home. Second, because the sign is outside the door that says, God, you're not welcome here. That is the problem of this society. That is the problem of many people. This is a society in which there's no reverence for God, no fear for God. This is a society on which is ungodly at its core. And listen, when Christians begin to say it's okay and justify that, you in a, in, in, a, in a road to trouble. Yeah. Oh, it's okay. You know, oh, they're loving people. Oh, you know. Like, it's okay in our eyes. It's okay in the eyes of God. Listen, we're not to be judgmental people. Don't get me wrong. We have to be loving people. Sure. But let me tell you, what about being there, that example of the believer? Amen. Now, I, I agree that God doesn't desire us to live in a creeping fear of Him covering in His presence, but He does demand that we reverence and honor and worship Him. Joshua knew if the people ever lost the fear of the Lord, their spiritual walk would soon would follow. And you know, we know from Scripture that it did. So we live in an age where most, most people do not fear the Lord. They, have no, they, they are more willing to, 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 to champion the, the device and, and, and the, the, the ways of this world than they are to go after God. So the average person in America have no fear, no reverence for God. They live as they please and never consider any accountability to God. Fear and reverence for the Lord is, is foreign in the average home in American folks. Something that is quite evident, something's quite evident in the lives of people. Get this, one cannot claim to have genuine fear for the Lord and live like it does not exist. Talk is cheap. And as the trademark of many people, if you are interested in building a firm foundation, let me tell you this, for your life and your home, reverence the Lord is a good way to start. America needs to run back to its roots. America needs to remove the sign, God, you're not welcome here, and replace it, God, you are welcome in this home. Let it be. 
A reminder to be sincere. Look what it says. Serve him in sincerity and in truth. So Joshua admonished the people to serve the Lord in sincerity and in truth. Can you, as a member of your home, serve God in your workplace? Thank you. 
Ah, you can can you do that? Come on. On a computer. Well, you can put protection there so you don't go there. You know that? And if you really that weak, come to me. I'll, I'll put a code in there for you. I had a friend that came to me that's a pastor. I was a deacon at the time. He said, I got a problem. I said, you got a problem. All right, what's your problem? A good friend. He said, I found myself watching pornography online all the time. And I don't know how to stop it. I said to him, you want me to put a code on your, on your thing? He said, yeah, put it on my phone and on my, my computer. I put it. To this day, still there. If you still have the same pieces. I had two other men during, during, after that that came to me. And one was calling me like weekly. Pastor, you need to take that code out? For what? I, I can't search. The, I want the internet to search for things, which happens. And I can't search because that thing is there. I said, I forgot the code. Actually, I did. <laughs> I did. I don't know. I forgot it. But see, God says, put the filth away. You know why? Because it does not build. Listen, if you are a single parent, if you are uh, just one in your family, if you marry and have your family, let me put it this way. It does not build you. It does not build others. If you got caught in the action, what are you going to say? Number three, we see the strong stand. Look at verse 15. And if it seems evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But look what he says. But as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. He gave an option right here. He doesn't say, hey, go home and pray about it. He doesn't say that. You know, we have a tendency, I'm going to pray about it. Two years later, I'm going to pray about it. I'm praying about it. It's going to come a time sometimes you need to stop praying to do something. <laughs> but let me say, he said, look what he says. You choose right now, this moment. Don't get out of here without making a decision. He said, you can go and serve the gods your father served in Egypt. You can serve the gods in the, of the land. But he said, you do what you want. But as for me, I already made my decision. You follow that? It's going to come a point in, uh, in the, all of us, in our individual, each, each one of us individually, on which we have to make a decision. Who am I going to serve? The gods before I got saved? The gods of the land? Or am I going to serve the living God? Amen. I cannot make that choice for you. You have to make that choice for yourself. No doubt, we live in a very wicked, ungodly society in which lost respect and reverence to fear and fear for God. No doubt that we live in a society in which is very humanistic at its core and have invited God out of their homes. But because we live in such a society, it does not mean that we have to act like them and behave like them. Do you think it was easy in the times that these people, this, this, this chapter was written, you think it was time for these people to make that decision? No. Not e easy for us to do it either, but is that worth doing it? We can make that decision. Folks, and I probably, you're in the same boat I am, let's say, after when you got saved, 
How many things you put aside because you know that didn't fit, didn't honor God? And you can say today, he's continued to work on me. I'm not there yet. You will never be there until you get to heaven. But let me do that progressive thing to say, you know, I'm going to give you an example. Before I got saved, I was very involved in rock and roll. Love the music of rock and roll. I mean, now I'm really, really happy that there's people that scream that I don't have an idea what they're saying. But, you know, but rock and roll. You know, nobody came to me and told me, get rid of the music. Believe me, nobody told me that. It was the Lord impressing in my heart as I reading his word. He impressed me and he impressed in my heart. And I made that sincere decision myself. To a point I said, this music does not build me up. And I got rid of it. Because I'm the kind of person, somebody comes, oh, you've got to get rid of it. You know, I probably wouldn't do it. But the Lord, as I read his word and spent time in his word, the Lord was speaking very strongly to me. Amen. I mean, that was one of my struggles. That was one of my struggles. Put the filter away. Make a stand for the Lord. We can make a difference in this generation and in this society by, the, by making a strong, a strong stand for what we believe to be true and dear to us. Now, having a challenge, the people regarding the relationship with the Lord, Joshua calls the people to make a conscience decision. He didn't tell them to go home and pray, like I said, and then make a decision. He didn't tell them to have a family meeting and make a decision. He called them to make a decision that very moment. You see, there's a lesson for all of us to learn here. There are situations in life that we can pray and ask the Lord to help us and give us a, 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 a enough incur, uh, discernment to make it to, for what direction we should go. There are the times that we are called to make a decision on that very moment that we are confronted with that challenge. So, you have a bunch of friends together, you did together, and they say, hey, we're going down the street, we're going to have a good time, we're going to do this and that, and you're called to make a decision right there. Because you know if you're walking on that bar, you know what you're going to do. You're not saying, hey, guys, let me go pray about this. Now I'll tell you about it. Because if we do that, you already missed the moment. They already did it. You call to make a decision right there. You know, when we make a decision here, when these moments arrive, the decision is already made. You follow that? I'll give you an example. This man, he was an alcoholic. And he was, every day, he left work. And the first place he stopped was the bar. And he walked home. Because he was afraid of driving because he was going to do some harm. So he walked home. So he walked and he went to the bar. He got home really late and was already intoxicated many times when he got home. One day he was walking towards that bar and he met someone in that road. It was a preacher. The preacher gave him a track, talked about the Lord. And he felt very convicted. He got on his knees there, right there, and he gave his life to the Lord. The preacher invited him to go to church. He went to church. Well, the wife was already saved. He was not. And he told the wife to pray for him that he wouldn't go to that bar anymore. The next day he comes from work. It took longer to get home. The wife was worried. So he got home, and she said to him, I mean, she said to him, where you been? I thought you didn't want to go to the bar. Why you took so long? You even long, it took longer to get home. She said, sweetheart, I went all the way around. 
so I wouldn't have the temptation to walk in that place. Amen. You see, he made a stand that he would not go there again, even if it took him a longer time to get home. Folks, let me say the same thing. We make our stands. And let me tell you this. Challenge will come. Temptations will come. But if our stand is firm and strong, when those situations come, we go away around and say, I ain't going there. You know why? Because we already made a stand. You know, when Joshua talked with these people, he already made his own stand. He didn't tell the people, you know what? I'm going to make a stand. He said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I said, is that what he decided? But for you, you make a stand now before it happens. You see, we see the declaration there. It, said, it says, choose you this day. That's letter A. Choose you this day. The declaration. Choose you this day. He said, don't go home. Don't make decisions tomorrow. It is today. So our homes and society have suffered because we have not chosen wisely. The Lord has been neglected and abandoned in many families because they're not willing to put a stand and put God there. The Bible tells us that a wise man, a wise person will hear words of wisdom. And he hears and he increases in learning. That's about book of Proverbs says that. You know what? Wise people listen and take it to heart and say, I can learn something. Because let me tell you, you know how much pain is in homes today? Kids arguing with their parents. Kids swearing at their parents, calling them names. Our young generation evolving alcohol and drugs, prostitution. I can go on and on and on here. I mean, I'm not blaming the parents. Don't get me wrong. Because you can be a godly parent, teach your kids everything the Bible says, and they can just hang around with the wrong friends. It happens, folks. But what are we going to do? We're going to say, oh, no, no, we keep the same stands so they know mom and dad never changed. Because they need to find God for themselves. Let it be, we see the stand. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua knew that he could not make the decision for them. And folks, let me tell you this. I cannot make a decision for you. You cannot make a decision. I already made my stand. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Amen. I will continue to serve the Lord even if I'm by myself until the day he takes me home. I will serve the, I'll serve the Lord if I have to sit in the pew. I will serve the Lord. That's my stand. And those silly stuff that goes around our world, it's not going to move me because I'm not, never going to agree with them. Listen, folks, I know what alcohol does. I saw it in the life of my father. And people say, well, uh, like father, like son. That's not true. Well, like mother, like daughter. That's not true. Because ultimately, we make our decisions. I saw what alcohol does in the home and what causes in the family because I lived through it. You know what? But it didn't make, didn't make me a drunkard. I choose. I put my sentence and said, I will never do that. See, we have a will to say, I won't do that. And when we make that decision, that decision is settled. We don't waver. Joshua said, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord until I go home. And he did. He went home serving God. Our society, homes and families are suffering because we don't believe on building a foundation upon the true and living God. Because they are more interested in the pleasures of the flesh. The average home in America is not built upon biblical 
foundation. And those who seek to promote such a foundation is viewed as hate mongers and bigots. The average America home is built with a sign outside, God, you're not welcome here. Number four is my last point. I'm almost done. We see the response. The response. What was the response? Look what it says. Letter A, it was firm. Look what it says. Look at verse 16. God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Look at verse 17. For the Lord, uh, for the Lord our gods. And look at verse 18. Therefore, we will serve the Lord, for he is our God. See, that was the decision. That was a firm decision. They make their own decision too. Folks, I cannot make that decision for you. You, as a member of God's family, as a member of a family, whatever you belong from or come from, let me tell you, you have to make your stand. I conclude with this. Through the years in American, in American society, you observe the decline of the family and the home. Reverence for God, it's gone. Respect for people, it's gone. In my days when I was like uh, very strong, like Rambo, full of muscles. Can you imagine that? <laughs> I was very uh, like ripped. That's, I'm just kidding. But, you know, I was going to the gym, you know, and, uh, and I never forgot this. And uh, I saw this lady walking in the parking lot. And so I, she was very close, very close behind me. I'm not, I just didn't stand there and, and say, oh, she's going. No, she was right behind me. So I opened the door, very, you know, very, tried to be very kind. She walks right in. And she just, with, with his face, marched right in. And I said, good morning. Thank you for holding the door for me. Sometimes you just have to say it. I'm the kind of guy sometimes you say it. You know what? Because, you know what? We live in a society that people don't care. That's why we have the sliding doors. Nobody opens the door for you. <laughs> it's electric. You walk right in and closes, you know. But I remember those days, you know, you hold the doors. And people say, thank you, thank you. But let me tell you. Because others do does not mean that you, not, you should not do what is right. Let's do what is right. Let's make our stands and say, by the grace of God, even if I'm unpopular, that's my stance. And you know what? Even if I'm not popular among people, God sees my heart and knows where I'm standing. I better have welcome home good and fit for servant than somebody try to pat me in the back. No, you know what? Let's, let's not be like everybody else. Shame is something that is unheard. Sin is practiced in plain daylight in our world. But in the midst of this sinful humanistic society, we, like the children of Israel in the days of Joshua, can make that choice to invite God to be the center of our homes. We can make the choice to have God sitting at the driver's seat of our lives, and we just become the passengers. Folks, let me tell you. You, you, I, we can make a strong stand for God in this age. Because you cannot live yesterday, you cannot live tomorrow, you live today. We are born for this time in society. The world can go this way, and we say, even if I'm standing alone, I'm standing strong. I saw one time a flood, and I close it with this, a flood. I can see the waters going down. This is a true story because I watch it on TV. It was going down just flood. And in the middle of that flood, there was a little tree standing up. There was a cat in there in one of the branches. And he was 
holding that branch. It is like, that reminds you, this is our society, that current that's going this way. And but we can stand for what we believe, even if we alone. Think about that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for God's institution. Thank you, Lord, that we belong to your family, the family of God. Help us, Lord, to make a stand so people can see that we are honest with you, we reverence you, and we belong to you. Father, help us in this wicked society to make a stand for what we believe. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We will continue those series on the family.